Research has shown that women with dense breast tissue have an elevated risk of breast cancer and that screening mammography is less sensitive in these women. As a result, some states have adopted laws requiring doctors to inform women with dense breasts of their status and in certain cases to offer them additional screening. But the laws vary widely and it's unclear how much that supplemental screening really helps in the long run. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Priscilla Slanitz, an Associate Professor of Radiology at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and Harvard Medical School. Dr. Slanitz has written a perspective article about breast density legislation. Dr. Slanitz, can you tell us a bit about the state-level legislation that's been passed? What aspects are consistent from state to state and what varies? At this point, as of January 2015, about 42% of states have a breast density notification laws. So that amounts to 21 of the 50 states. And the laws are all in common in the sense that they do require facilities that provide mammography screening services to notify women of whether or not they have dense breast tissue. The laws in general also require that the facilities uh, inform patients that it may increase their risk of breast cancer and also suggests that the patients speak with their providers about whether they might benefit from any supplemental screening. Some of the state laws do actually require supplemental screening with ultrasound, and a few of the states, their laws actually mandate insurance coverage. But a majority of the laws do not actually require the insurance companies to cover any of the additional screening. In your article, you mentioned the Breast Density and Mammography Reporting Act, which was introduced in the U.S. Congress in 2013. How much support is there for breast density legislation on that national level? So on the federal level, I mean, at this point, that there has not been much action on it. And I think part of it is that if you look at the evidence behind some of the supplemental screening tools, none of them are optimal in the sense that they carry some risks of uh, false positives, as well as potentially increasing some patients' anxiety about breast cancer. And therefore, I think that it is somewhat controversial at the federal level whether any of the law that's been proposed will pass. My suspicion is, though, if you look at the commonality between the laws in the states where there are breast density notification laws, that even at the federal level, they may end up passing at least a notification law where women are required to be informed but I suspect that the law probably won't go much further than that at this point. A challenge that you mention is the subjective nature of breast density assessment. In fact, as you say, it's possible for the same woman to be classified as having dense breasts one year and not dense the following year. So how close are we to having a useful computer algorithm to calculate density more objectively? Right. So there are several automated density systems that are currently on the market and are FDA approved. They are not universally available in the sense that most facilities performing mammographic screening do not actually have the software in place. And there's no data at this point to show that using one of those software algorithms is any better than the interpretive ability of the radiologist in terms of estimating the amount of breast density. Many of us in the field also feel that it's not just overall breast density, but some women have very, what I would consider, busy breasts. So instead of just one patch of dense tissue, they have multiple areas of nodularity in a background of sort of fatty breasts, which makes the best breast very busy to look at. 
and therefore can make it more challenging to find a cancer. So in, sometimes in that situation, the breast is not that dense, but the background pattern is so busy, it could be easier to overlook something significant. In states that have breast density legislation, you write that implementation has often been inconsistent. In Connecticut, for example, not all doctors are referring their patients with dense breasts for ultrasonography and other supplemental assessment. And not all women who are referred actually get screened. Why do you think practice has been slow to change? Well, I think there's probably several factors. Now, it's interesting in Connecticut because in that state, the law that was passed did mandate insurance coverage for the supplemental ultrasound screening. And yet it is interesting to see that there's been variable recommendations by providers as well as variable sort of compliance with screening. If you look at the women who did get referred for screening, only about 45% of them actually underwent a second screening ultrasound a year later. So that even in the women who did get referred, not all of them are clearly complying down the road with continued annual screening ultrasound in addition to their mammogram. In other states where they had the recommendation of supplemental ultrasound, there's also been variable use of the technology. And part of it is that there is not a lot of evidence to support its use. I mean, it does pick up a few additional cancers per thousand women screen, but it also comes at a high cost in the sense that there are a significant number of false positives, and that translates into a significant proportion of women who undergo biopsies that turn out to be benign in the end. The other issue, of course, is going to be insurance coverage. And in states where it's not mandated, many of the companies may not be paying for this service, and women then have to pay out of pocket for this additional screening. And this has the potential to increase disparities in care among different socioeconomic groups, which is, of course, somewhat concerning. In addition to the problems with ultrasonography that you raise, there's very little long-term data showing that it reduces mortality among women with dense breasts. Is there any research you know of underway to answer that question? Well, I think that's a great question because there isn't a lot of evidence at this point to support the use of supplemental screening ultrasound. There are some data showing that in high-risk women, so that it's women who carry a greater than 20 to 25 percent lifetime risk of developing breast cancer, that it will pick up an additional two to three cancers per thousand women screened. And at this point, there are no long-term studies showing mortality reduction. The only studies that have been done extensively through large randomized controlled trials was with screening mammography, where there is felt to be at least a 15% reduction in mortality, and in most studies, even up to 30% mortality reduction. There are a few studies that have come out with more outcome models that are estimating that if you look at the prevention of cancer deaths from different modalities, screening mammography will prevent approximately six cancer deaths for 1,000 women that are screened, but supplemental ultrasound would prevent it only an additional 0.36 deaths per 1,000 women screened. So clearly it has some impact, but there's not a lot of evidence at this point to support its use, and I don't know of any long-term study at this point linking it to any mortality reduction. So given all of that, from your perspective, what steps should be taken once a radiologist identifies a woman as having dense breasts? Is it that alone, or does it depend on other variables such as her age or other risk factors for breast cancer? I think we need to take a rational approach about this. We do recognize that having dense breasts may slightly increase a woman's chance of breast cancer. 
Often in the literature, people will quote that dense breast has a four to six times increased risk compared but for these women, but that's when you compare predominantly fatty breasts to the extremely dense breasts, which are both the minority of women. Most women are somewhere in the scattered fibroglandular tissue to heterogeneously dense category, which if you look at heterogeneously dense breasts, which is probably the most common pattern, probably in approximately 30 to 40% of women, this actually only carries a 1.2-fold increased risk compared to the average patient. An extremely dense breast is probably a 2.1-fold increased risk compared to that average patient. So we're talking about a 1.2 to 2.1-fold increased risk. Clearly, there are many other risk factors that would increase a woman's risk much more significantly. So we actually in Massachusetts recently formed a multidisciplinary group of physicians and practitioners in the greater Boston area to really come up with a strategy of how to best approach this breast density notification law. We see it as a great opportunity to educate women about their breast health as well as their breast density, and it has really got great potential, I think, to really enhance the patient-physician relationship. The most important thing, though, is we really believe that you need to look at a woman's overall risk status And we've come up with some, I think, reasonable guidelines that will help physicians as they're talking to patients about the importance of breast density and how it fits into their overall risk status. So that women who are evaluated and found to be high risk, regardless of their breast density, should actually undergo supplemental MRI screening, which has been shown to pick up an additional eight cancers per thousand women screened and has a reasonable positive biopsy rate. Women that are low risk or average risk were actually in the process of probably recommending that even if they have dense breasts, these are women that may not have any benefit from undergoing supplemental screening. And the women in the intermediate risk category, which would be 15 to 20% elevation in lifetime risk, would need to really look at the pros and cons of undergoing any form of supplemental screening since they do carry the risk of false positives, increased costs and the potential risk of overdiagnosis, which is somewhat of a controversial topic, but overdiagnosis is something that at least should be discussed with the patient. Finally, getting back to legislation, given the public controversy over the appropriate age for beginning any sort of mammographic screening and the optimal frequency of that screening, how wary should we be about political fallout from additional screening mandates? Well, I think... Most of us in the field really do believe that the data supports annual screening mammography beginning at the age of 40 years for the average risk woman. However, if you look at other developed countries, such over in Europe, they're doing every other year screening. And overall, if you look at the outcomes of patients in both communities, the overall outcome is relatively similar. But what you do find is if you screen less frequently with mammography, the patient's cancers, when it is diagnosed, tend to be at a slightly more advanced stage, meaning that the woman needs to undergo additional treatments, such as additional chemotherapy, which might have been avoided had they been having annual mammography. In terms of this supplemental screening for selected groups of women, overall, the concept of trying to more personalize how we care for women based on their risk status, I think, is a great advance, because I think If you just broadly apply it to every woman who has dense breasts, regardless of their risk status, there are harms that may come from that in the sense of finding many benign things 
that otherwise would not have needed any intervention. So I think we have to be careful and look at the evidence, and that as further evidence comes out, we need to be adjusting our guidelines and recommendations, period. Thank you, Dr. Slenitz.